there, and if you were here this morning, uh, I preached uh, Olive B. Green's old outline, not his message, but his outline on earth's madness, heaven's gladness, and hell's sadness, and uh, preached about, uh, of course ended up there preaching quite a while about hell, and uh, I want to preach on that again tonight. Uh, so if you've come to church here today and you come back tonight and you've heard two messages on hell, that's more than most people here in a year uh, in most churches because uh, you, don't, you don't hear it preached uh, a lot like you used to. But this is a, a little different way I normally preach, but it's what the Lord's laid on my heart for tonight, so I want to give it to you. In uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 1 through verse number 3 tonight, uh, the Bible said, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God will permit. Thank you, may be seated. Our Father, we come to you tonight, and uh, Lord, we just bow our head tonight and ask you to help us tonight with that which I feel like that, uh, Lord, you've impressed upon my heart back uh, several days ago for tonight's message. And I just ask the Lord to uh, help me to, to preach it right. And uh, I pray the Lord would touch my heart as I preach it, that it might touch somebody else's heart tonight. As far as I know tonight, Lord, everyone in this room tonight is saved, as far as I know, uh, Lord. Uh, but tonight, uh, we know that saved people need to hear about this subject also. Even though they're not going there, they need to be reminded from time to time about others that are going there, that, Lord, we might be able to do what we ought to do. Uh, Father, as Christians, and so I pray the Lord's blessing tonight upon this message, and I'll give you the praise for whatever's done tonight, in uh, Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. We notice starting out reading here tonight in verse uh, 1, he said, Therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, and uh, we know there's many doctrines in the Bible. And uh, I mentioned this Wednesday night a few years ago, uh, you heard this saying a lot around a lot of churches and, and a lot of times from church people, and they'd say, I love where I go to church, said the preacher, said he just preaches Jesus and he don't preach any doctrine or anything like that. Uh, well, that sounds good, uh, but uh, the Bible is a book of doctrine, and, uh, and we know tonight uh, that Timothy tells us there in the book of Timothy, uh, he tells us there that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, he says. Uh, and he talks about uh, for doctrine. Uh, one of the first uses of Scripture mentioned is that it's profitable for doctrine. And then we read in 1 Timothy there where that he writes and he tells them, Take heed unto the doctrine. And so, doctrine is a, is a set of teachings in the Bible on different things, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But he said, take heed to the doctrine. And then he told Timothy, and Titus said, speak the things which become sound doctrine. And uh, a lot of times, uh, especially in our kind of a day, the Bible said that people would not endure sound doctrine. Amen but they would heap to themselves uh, teachers having itching ears, in other words, that would listen to see what the people wanted to hear, and then they would gear their sermon in that direction. Uh, but he said, speak the things that become sound doctrine. Amen. And in our text tonight that we have read tonight, he mentions the doctrine of Christ. And of course, there is the doctrine of Christ in the Bible. And we talk about uh, all the things that have to do with the Lord Jesus and we're uh, forevermore learning about Him and His birth and His life and His death and His resurrection and His coming again. And so he mentions there the doctrine of Christ. And then 
He said the doctrines of baptisms. Please notice that's plural. Uh, the doctrines of baptism. Uh, when you study the Bible, you'll find out there's about seven different baptisms in the Bible. Uh, not just the believer's baptism, but you'll find out there is about seven different baptize, uh, baptisms mentioned in the Bible. Uh, not all of them has to do with water. Some of them have to do with spirit. Uh, some of them have to do with the whole nation of Israel being uh, baptized and under a cloud and so he talks about the doctrine of baptisms. Now, a lot of people like to take that S off and just make it the doctrine of baptism. But we know the Bible said there is a spirit baptism. Uh, for we by one spirit were all baptized into the body of Christ. That's a spirit baptism. Then he talks about the doctrine of laying on of hands. And that would have to do with the doctrine of uh, of ordination and things along that line and uh, the laying on of hands for different things. And then he talks about the doctrine of resurrection. And there is a doctrine about the uh, resurrection uh, and the orders of the resurrection and all to do with the resurrection. But the last one he mentions here uh, in our reading tonight, and he said of eternal judgment. That would be the doctrine of hell. Uh, he's talking about the doctrine of eternal judgment. Now, I know we're living in a day when some have denied that doctrine. And they, they say, well, there is no such place as preachers have preached that of a hell with fire and, and, uh, and wailing and gnashing of teeth and all of that. And they have denied the doctrine of eternal judgment. Others have dismissed it altogether. They don't even talk about it. They don't even never mention it. They don't ever say nothing about it. And then there's others that have downplayed it. And they, uh, they say, well, you know, we don't think the fire's real. We don't think that it's a literal place where you go. And they have downplayed the doctrine of hell. But I want to preach tonight, and it's kind of a personal thing, if you'll bear with me for a few minutes but I want to preach tonight on what I, what I have done with the doctrine of hell. What I have done with the doctrine of hell. And I want to give you three things tonight in this little sermon tonight, if the Lord will help me do it tonight. And I want to say first of all, that me personally, that I have believed the scriptures about hell. I have believed the scriptures on hell. And I sat down this week and tried to think when that I could remember the first time that I ever heard about hell. Of course, we went to a Baptist church and our mother carried us to Baptist church and revivals and around like that. We wasn't an ever Sunday family that went every week, but we go by spells. Sometimes we'd go seemingly every week. Sometimes it'd be a long time before we went. And I just say my mother, she... I believe it was her desire to carry all us seven kids around to revivals and Baptist churches until we all got saved. And uh, thank God we did. I'm glad she took us to hear uh, doctrine, uh, doctrinal preaching that was good and scriptural and was the Word of God. But I really can't remember, uh, I really can't remember hearing a sermon about hell, although I'm sure I did. I can't remember anybody setting me down and talking to me about hell, although they may have done it. But I think with me, I think it's a thing that the Holy Spirit just convicts you about it and you realize that there is a judgment. You realize that, uh, that if you don't get saved, that there's a place of eternal punishment. And, uh, and I'm sure that all of those things come about. But I think the Holy Spirit, I believe, that He lets us know if we'll listen to Him, there is a place called hell. Amen. Well, however it was that I heard about it, I know that uh, the preacher, we had a good preacher, Billy Crumpton. And he was a good preacher. We had several, but that's the one I remember. I got saved under him. And uh, I don't remember a lot about Brother Crumpton. I know he's a good man. And I remember when he'd preach, his face would get red. Uh, and I remember oftentimes that he could not preach without weeping. I, uh, I remember the tears that would run down his face. And, and I'm sure that he preached sermons about hell. No doubt 
that I heard about it through him, but I don't recall one, uh, just a particular sermon he preached. But anyway, however I heard about hell, I believed what the Bible said about it. Amen. Amen. I believe what the scriptures have to say about this place called hell. I believe that Jesus said that it was a place in Matthew 25 and 41 that he said that it was a place prepared for the devil and his angels. I believe that the Lord prepared hell to fit those that are going there. Just like the Lord, when he prepared heaven, he had the saints in mind. The saints are the children of light, and so heaven's a place of light. Uh, uh, heaven is a place where there'll be no sickness, sorrow, or pain, or none of those things. Uh, and it'll be a place of joy, and, and a, a place of reunion, and all of those wonderful things. Uh, and when God made heaven, He had us in mind. Uh, uh, he put all the things there that a child of God would long for, uh, uh, that a child of God would want to go to. But I believe by the same token when God made hell, and He did make hell. I have a little booklet in my uh, office by a man named Nicholson. And uh, I bought that little book off of eBay because I seen it one day and it said God's hell. And they had it where you could open it up and read a little bit out of it. And I, I seen it was good, so it was an auction. And I bid on that little paperback book about 30 pages I, and I bid on that little book over a hundred dollars. You say you're crazy. You probably give that much for a dress. Some people give that much for a shotgun or a or a, a fishing pole. And uh, so me, the things of God are worth a lot more uh, than any of that. But anyway, I bid on it, and if you know how these things work, right at the last minute. There was a guy come in and he outbid me by just a few cents at the last minute. He got it. I was just killed. And immediately I emailed this fellow and I said, I'll, I'll give you more than what you paid for it. And he said, I, I don't want to sell it. And I said, well, if you change your mind, let me know. I got off of there and went to a place that I buy books from called A Books. It's a used book place. And I knew it was a long shot, and I thought, they won't have it. But I just typed in the name of that book, and to my amazement, it brought up one book for $3. I bought the book, and I got it. It's in my office up there now, and it's called God's Hell by W.P. Nicholson. And in that book, he talks about how that God is the one that made hell. Uh, it's sometimes we think about God making heaven, but the Bible said that God made hell for the devil and his angels. Well, the end of that story is about a week later, that guy texted me back and he said, you still want to buy that book? He said, I got that thing and about half the pages are gone out of it. And I said, I wouldn't be interested. I bought one for $3 from uh, A Books. And he said, you wouldn't, send, you wouldn't let me copy, you wouldn't copy these messing pages and mail them to me, would you? And I said, for $100, I will. <laughs> no, really, I, I copied them and I mailed them to the guy. Uh, but this little book called God's Hell, and uh, I'd never thought about it from that perspective. I'd never thought about the fact that uh, I knew it, but I just never thought about God made hell. The Bible said God made hell for the devil and his angels, and that's good enough for me. I believe it. Amen. Amen. The Bible said over in Mark, Jesus said this, and he's talking about hell. You know, Jesus, through the book of Matthew, Jesus preaches about hell about every three chapters. He says something about hell. And in Mark, Jesus has these uh, strong words to say, and he said, If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter and halt it into life, than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where thy worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, 
pluck it out. It's better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Now that's pretty strong language. And the Lord said there several times, He said the fire would not be quenched and the worm dieth not. I think it was uh, D.L. Moody that said he thought the worm that wouldn't die, that he thought that was the memory because the Bible said uh, the Lord Abraham told him, uh, Abraham told the rich man, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil. So anyway, I just want to tell you that I just believe what the Bible said about it. And uh, I went, uh, I didn't, as a young preacher, I probably went nearly a year before I ever preached a sermon on hell. And the reason I didn't preach a sermon on hell was because we had some real good old time hellfire brimstone Baptist preachers preach revival in our church spring and fall, spring and fall. And I remember hearing all my crowns preach about climbing into hell. And uh, I remember him preaching that, and oh, it was so real. I remember P.A. Dixon preaching about hell. And I'd listen to these men preach about hell, and I could tell they believed it when they preached about it, but somehow or another, I just had never reached that level yet. Uh, and uh, I was working there at Donnelly's at the factory, and, and there's a break room, and the old break room, there was a break room, and then there's a little shower closet there. And it had a curtain where that you got inked up. You could go in there and take a shower. Nobody ever did use it. But when I'd go on break, I'd read my Bible. And uh, trying to get where I'd be, nobody bother me. I'd get in that little shower curtain and I, or that little shower stall. And I'd pull a curtain, sit in there and read the Bible for 20 minutes. And I remember one Saturday morning, I got in there and opened my Bible up. And I began to read Luke chapter 16. And uh, I'd read it before. I'd read it many times. I, and I can't explain it other than the Spirit of God. I read it that day with the Spirit of God on me. And when I got through reading that thing, I was sitting in that little shower stall and I was weeping and crying because I'd read about such a God-awful place called hell and to know that there was a man that went there and that he was still there and that he'll always be there. My heart was broke. And the very next time I got to preach, I preached about hell. And the Bible said, Jesus said that hell is a place uh, where the fire is not quenched and the worm uh, dieth not. That place I read was Luke 16 uh, where the Bible said that there was a beggar named Lazarus that was laid uh, at the gate of a rich man. And the Bible said that the dogs came and uh, he begged the crumbs that fell from the table of the rich man and the dogs came and licked his sores. Uh, and it came to pass, uh, it said that the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. The Bible said the rich man also died uh, and being in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. He saith Abraham afar off uh, and uh, Lazarus in his bosom and he cried and said, Father Abraham send Lazarus that he might dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in these flames. Uh, and he said, Son, remember, thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil. And now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, is a great gut fix, so that they that would come to you cannot, neither can you come to them. Uh, and he said, Father Abraham, I pray thee, send someone to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Uh, uh, he said, Lest, uh, uh, let them testify to them, lest they also come into this place. Uh, he said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. If they hear not them, neither would they be persuaded. Uh, though one rose from the dead. I, I read that. I've read it many times. I believe every word in that. I do not believe it's a parable. I don't believe that. I believe it's a literal happening that took place and I believe that there was a man named Lazarus that died and there was a rich man that died and I believe like some other folks I believe the reason Jesus didn't mention the rich man's name was maybe because there was some people around there that may have knew who he was. I don't know. But I know this, that every time Jesus gave a parable, uh, he never did mention the people's names. Uh, uh, but in this parable, he names Lazarus. Uh, he said there was, uh, he said a beggar named Lazarus. And I believe that, amen. I believe what the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 2. 
said, therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? Escape what? Escape hell. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed in us by them that heard him? I believe that tonight. Amen. I know I'm preaching tonight to the choir. I don't think there's anybody in here tonight that don't believe in hell. I I don't think there is because I think most people in this room, if not all, are Bible believers. And if the Bible said there's a place called hell, I I believe it, amen. And and it's because that I believed it uh, that I got saved. Uh, You say, well, you oughtn't get saved just because you're afraid to go to hell. I can't think of a better reason, amen. I I can't think of a better reason. Somebody said, well, you oughtn't to preach on hell. It scares people. Well, it ought to scare people. It used to scare people, but it seems like nowadays it don't. Uh, bother them too much. Uh, I seen where one preacher said this and I thought it's awful good. Uh, he said people are scared to death uh, of the coronavirus. Uh, and he said it's absolutely 100% real. There is a thing called the coronavirus. Uh, uh, there's people dying from it. I talked to a preacher tonight, Brother McCurry, and he told me he was supposed to preach for a uh, preacher next week and the preacher's wife got COVID and she died and so they canceled the meeting. Uh, uh, so it is a real thing. Uh, uh, we know they're up playing it a lot. We all know that. But we know that it is a real thing and folks are scared to death about it. Now here's the point he made. Uh, he said COVID's a real thing and people are scared to death of it. Uh, hell's a real thing uh, uh, but people's not that scared about it. If they was, they'd be running to the altar to get saved. Uh, I Especially when a preacher warned them like I did this morning. uh, They would come. Somebody said, Preacher, I don't know how people sit there and listen to a message like that and they don't get saved. Well, there's a devil out there and he's pretty strong. Uh, Amen. Uh, And uh, boy, he, he, he tries to get you to stay back there. Uh, and the Lord's trying to get you to come up here. Uh, and I just thank the Lord uh, as a 10-year-old boy. I just thank the Lord uh, that when I heard about hell, uh, I believed it like the Bible said. And I got saved and I'm not going to it. Thank God. Uh, I'm glad. Amen. I'm glad that I believed in hell. <laughs> Amen. And I'm glad Luke 19.10 said what it said. You say, what does it say? The Son of Man's come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I'm glad when I was heading for hell that there was one that come from heaven to save me and to save you so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. Because I believe it's real. You say, well, explain. I don't have to explain nothing. It's in the Bible. And everything that's in the Bible it's true. You say, but I don't understand it. You don't have to for it to be true. God didn't say you have to understand the Bible. He said, believe the Bible. Believe what it says. And uh, if there's not a hell, Jesus Christ sure preached a lot about a place that doesn't exist. Amen. And so I want to say, first of all, that I believe the Scripture's on hell. And because of that, I got saved And I just want to tell you on the authority of the Word of God, I'm not going to hell. Because I got saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus and the salvation He offers. Well, I got saved. I got saved and, and was excited about it for a while. And then in the teen years, drifted away and I rededicated my life, as I mentioned this morning in a Morning, Sunday morning service, I rededicated my life. And uh, to cut out a lot of stuff to, to not bore you, uh, I got saved, and after a while, God started dealing with my heart about preaching. Uh, after I rede- rededicated my life, God began to deal with me about a year later about preaching the Word of God. And uh, as you can see, I answered the call to preach. And I've been trying to preach now for 40 years. 
And I want to say this, I'm talking about what I've done with the doctrine of hell. Number one, I believed it and trusted Christ, so I'm not going there. Number two, as a preacher, I, I preach sermons about hell. Now, I know, I don't see how they do it, but I, I know there's preachers that never preach about hell. I'm not saying you ought to preach on it every time you get in the pulpit. I'm not saying that. But I know some preachers I, uh, that as far as I know, they've never preached on hell. Some of them told me they never preached on hell. But I want you to know that as a preacher, that I want to be a Bible preacher. And if I'm going to be a Bible preacher, I've got to preach what's in the Bible. I, and I, I want you to know that hell is in the Bible. Jesus preached about hell. I uh, a lot of other uh, New Testament preachers preached about hell. John the Baptist preached about hell. Uh, and so uh, I want to be like them. I want to one day, I know one day I'm going to have to stand before God. Uh, as is uh, Brother Eddie, uh, as is Brother Sammy, as is Brother Jared. Uh, uh, every other preacher is going to have to stand before God. Uh, and we're going to have to give an account uh, uh, for what we preached. Uh, we're going to have to give an account for what we didn't preach. Uh, uh, we're going to have to give an account for every sermon. Boy, that's a scary thing. Amen, Brother Richie? Amen. To know that we got to stand before God uh, and give an account for every sermon. I've said this many times, uh, that every sermon cannot be a great sermon. Uh, every sermon's not a payday someday. Uh, uh, every, every sermon uh, uh, is not a great sermon, but... Uh, Every sermon can be the truth of the Word of God. And if it's the truth of the Word of God, it is a great sermon uh, because the truth is great. Amen. Uh, and so I want you to know over the years, uh, I've, preached, I've preached a lot of sermons on hell over the years. Uh, I have a friend, Brother Brandon Wilson, that pastors uh, Brother Sheets' uh, old church, Pleasant View. And uh, when I first met Brother Brandon, I was doing a lot of meetings over in the Somerset area. And I preached a meeting over at Liberty Baptist. Uh, and Brother Brandon came, uh, and uh, I preached on hell. Uh, and uh, I preached a revival about three or four weeks later at the other side of Somerset there, Brother Billy Miller's church, and Brother Brandon came, uh, and I preached on hell. Uh, and uh, he came uh, two or three other places, and I preached on hell. I, I was preaching Brother uh, brother Noah Broughton's uh, fall revival that's usually the last week of October, and Brother Brandon and his wife came, uh, and I preached on hell. Uh, and, uh, and all of them different sermons. Uh, and, uh, and Brother Brandon stood up at the end of that message that night, and I didn't know him that good. Uh, and he said these words. He said, I want to thank God for Brother Prophet. Uh, he said, I've been following him around. Uh, and he said, I've been to five places where he preached revival. And every one that I went to, he preached about hell. Uh, and he said, in this day and time in which we live, uh, he said, a lot of preachers never preach about hell. They never mention hell. Uh, uh, they never, never say anything about hell. Uh, and I'm just glad as long as God gives me breath, uh, there's two things I'm going to preach on every now and then. Uh, even if God don't lay them on my heart, I'm going to preach about them at least twice a year. Uh, you say, what is that? One of them's Calvary uh, and the other one's hell. Uh, and I don't believe a man would ever be out of the will of God preaching on either one of them uh, uh, because they're two great truths in the Word of God. I remember preaching years and years ago as a young preacher. I remember preaching a sermon on words that rhyme with hell. Words that rhyme with hell. Uh, and I can't remember all the points, but I know one of them was Yale. Uh, uh, because when people go to hell, uh, I can guarantee you they're going to Yale. Uh, I remember one of the words was sail. Uh, uh, because when people go to hell, uh, it's going to like being in a cell. Uh, I mentioned that one of the words that rhymes with hell is bail. Uh, uh, because people that go to hell uh, is going to be wishing somebody could go there bail uh, and get them out of hell. Uh, and I remember preaching 
preaching that sermon on hell. I, I remember preaching a uh, sermon called uh, It's Hotter Than Hell uh, uh, because that was a slang language that everybody was saying at that time uh, because of the weather that summer was so hot uh, and I preached on It's Hotter Than Hell. Did you know there ain't nothing hotter than hell? Uh, uh, hell is the hottest place and the hottest thing that, that there is. Uh, the sun itself wouldn't be hotter than hell. Uh, I remember preaching a, a sermon on some things, the worst thing about going to hell. Uh, and I remember preaching on this. Uh, uh, it'd be awful to go to hell uh, and not be able to get out. Uh, I remember preaching this. Uh, uh, it'd be awful to go to hell and know that your family's coming to follow you. That'd be an awful thing, Brother Eddie. Uh, I preached on some things, uh, the worst thing about going to hell. Uh, but you know what the worst thing about going to hell is? Uh, it's the last point of that message. The worst thing about going to hell uh, is that you didn't have to go to hell. You didn't have to go to hell. Nobody had to go to hell. I remember preaching a sermon on what Jesus preached about hell. And in the introduction of that sermon, I start in Matthew 3 and go all the way over to almost about Matthew 26 and I show every three chapters that Jesus is speaking about hell. And, uh, and I, I show how often Jesus preached about hell but then I preach the message on what Jesus preached about hell. Number one, Jesus preached that hell exists. Hell exists. Number two, Jesus preached that hell was eternal. Eternal. Number three, Jesus preached that hell was not empty. There's people in hell. Uh, number four, I preached that Jesus preached uh, that hell again, it is escapable. Amen. Uh, that's what Jesus preached about hell. Uh, I remember preaching on three reasons I don't want to go to hell. Uh, uh, you say, what were they? Well, the first reason was I don't have to go to hell. Uh, uh, there's alternatives. There's I can go to heaven. There's another place. I don't have to go to hell. Uh, the second point is there's nothing in hell I like. Uh, I, I don't like hot. I don't like not having no water. I don't like darkness. I don't like being separated. Uh, there ain't nothing in hell uh, uh, that I don't like. Uh, the third point of that message is uh, I don't want to go to hell because I don't want nobody to follow me to hell. Uh, uh, the rich man said that I've got five brothers that are on the way. Amen. Uh, I preached a lot about hell. I remember preaching a message at the Manchester prison over in eastern Kentucky in a room full of prisoners. And uh, that was the first time that I ever met James Mills, who was Noah Broughton's assistant pastor. And Brother James was over there and several us preachers, and they asked me to preach. And I preached that night. I preached that night on why I believe there is a hell. And when I preached that night, uh, about a month later, Brother Noah Broughton, whom I never, never had met, never didn't know at the time, uh, uh, Brother Noah Broughton, pastor of Selene Baptist, he called me uh, and he said, Brother Prophet, uh, I've never done this in my life. Uh, he said, I'll probably never do it again. Uh, but he said, James Mills is my assistant and he has been for 20 years. He's never asked me to get a preacher uh, in. Uh, but he said, he heard you at the prison the other night preach on hell uh, and he asked me if I'd have you in for revival. He said, I realize I'm taking a gamble. I'm taking a chance. I don't know anything about you, but he said, would you come? And I said, I will. I, and that's how me and Noah Broughton met. Uh, because I was preaching that night on why I believe there is a hell. Uh, and here's the main point of that message. I said, there's got to be some kind of a God-awful place uh, uh, called hell. There's got to be a place uh, of fire and darkness. Uh, uh, there's got to be a God-awful place uh, for God to send His Son to live here and down an old rugged cross for one reason that He might save people from hell. I said there's got to be a place called hell for God to let His Son go on a cross and suffer and die to keep man out of hell. Number one, I believe what the Bible says about hell. What I've done with the doctrine of hell, I believed it. What I've done with the doctrine of hell, I've preached sermons about it. And I intend on doing that as long as God gives me breath. Number three, I pull some sinners from hell. 
I wish I could say that I've pulled thousands of them from hell. I can't do it, Brother Eddie. I wish that I could say that heaven would be full of people that this preacher pulled out of hell. But I can't do it. Jude said in Jude 1, he said, And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I don't have my hundreds. I don't have my thousands. But I'm just thankful that there's just a few. The Lord saved them, but He let me be an instrument to help Him to pull them out of hell. I want to give you just three real happenings in my life. I want to give them to you because they stand out more than others. But as a young preacher... Just had started pastoring, a interim pastoring of a little church there by my house. And I ordered and got in the mail a set of soul winning tapes by Jack Hiles. I got them tapes and, and man, I tell you, I was on fire for the Lord and I just loved anything about the things of God and I didn't lay them up on the refrigerator and think I'll listen to them when I get time. But I went into my den and I laid down on the floor and got my little cassette player. And for four hours, I listened to Jack Hiles tell about how to win people to God. When I got done, my soul was literally on fire. I went out and got my little Volkswagen. I told my wife I'd be back in a little while. And I didn't drive five streets up. I didn't drive three streets up. I couldn't wait. I, I drove to the first street I came to and pulled in there and parked my car over on the side. And I started down that street knocking on doors like a woman selling Avon. And I'd go from one side to the other side, one side to the other side. I don't know how many houses are on that street, probably 30 or 40 houses, but by the time I got to the end of it, my fire was almost out because people said, oh, we're saved. Ah, we go to church, preacher. Ah, we're not interested in that. But I got down to the last house and I almost just went back home. There's one more house up there sitting on a hill and I walked up there and I knocked on that door and after just a few minutes, an old man came to the door and he opened up the door just a little bit and he said, can I help you? I said, I'm a preacher. I'd like to talk to you about the Lord if you'd let me in. And he said, uh, I found out later that he had, that man had not let a preacher in his house for like 10 years because he had a son that was uh, an alcoholic and it got so bad they had to throw him out of the house. And one of the, other, the, past, one of the pastors here in town told him, that he should have never did that and just really got on him about it. And he said, I'll never let another preacher in this house. But God had other plans. And he let me in. I went in and sat down on the couch and I was nervous. I was nervous. We talked about hunting. We talked about fishing. We talked about the weather. We probably talked about politics. We talked about anything we could talk about to keep me from talking about Jesus. But finally, I built up the nerve at the end. And I said, Roy, has anybody ever told you how to be saved? He said, no, preacher, they ain't. But he said, if I ever get saved, I want the kind my mama had. I said, what kind your mama have? He said, well, there's some folks come around here and knock on doors and try to sell me magazines and said they don't believe there's a hell. And he said, my mama believed there's a hell. Yeah. And I said, your mom was absolutely right. I said, there is a hell. And I said, I want to tell you how to not go there. He said, go ahead. And I got my Bible. And I started to, to do like Jack Hiles told me to do. After about ten minutes, I got so mixed up, I didn't even know I saved or not. And I remember sitting there just thinking, God, if you let me out of here, I'll never try this again. And about that time, that old man just slumped out on his knees. He said, oh, God save me. Oh, God save me. That old man got saved. 
I got him to I got him to walk the aisle the next Sunday morning at the little church where I pastored, and he told them how God had saved him. I gave him a little I gave him a little New Testament that night, and every time I seen that old man till he died, he always had that little New Testament there in his pocket. And when we started the when we started the mission church up on the square, he said, "I'm gonna go with you, preacher." And he went up there with us to the mission church on the square. And we went up there and, and we was talking. I said, we've got to have a platform. He said, I'm a carpenter. He said, preacher, said I can build a box that'll hold water. I can build that for you. I said, you the man, you the man. Amen. We got the material and brought it up there to him. We left him there alone. Me and my father-in-law, we come back. After he had done gone, we walked in. And I said, what's that? It was the awfulest mess I'd ever seen in my life. It not only wouldn't hold water, it wouldn't even hold dirt. And I said, oh my, what are we going to do? We went and got a guy that, good carpenter, and we got him, and he tore it all apart, put it all back together, and then we covered it with carpet. That old man came in on Sunday morning. He said, man, he said, I did better than I thought I did. I said, you did great. Amen. <laughs> you did great. But old Roy Norris, he'll be in heaven someday. Amen. He was, he's gone up in years. He had health problems. He was sliding off into hell. God let me pull him out that night. Up at the old building many years ago, uh, Wilmer Hodge was county court clerk. And we had a few gathered in the old building before we ever did anything to it on a Sunday night. And about midway through that service, some ladies come in. I didn't know who it was at the time, but it was Wilmer Hodge's wife. Wilmer was a Methodist preacher. And she come in, and from the time she come in, it seemed like the Lord began to try to shut me down. And I fought it for a while, and finally I just give in and let it go. And as soon as I quit preaching and said the prayer, Wilmer Hodges' wife stood up and she said, Brother Prophet, she said, my husband and another preacher is out there at the hospital. They've been working with a lost man all day and he's dying, he's lost. And, and said, Brother Wilmer, said God put it on his heart to send for you and he wants you to come up there. And I said, I'll go. We dismissed and I didn't shake hands. I went and got my car, drove to the hospital, pulled in the parking lot, uh, went up, uh, he's on the second floor, went up the second floor there, went down to the room. And when I got to the room, I could hear him moaning. The door was partly closed. I could hear him moaning. And Brother Wilmer seen me and he come out. And Brother Pappy Shaw, he come out. There were two preachers there. And he said, Brother Prophet said, God uh, put you on my heart to, to have you to come. And he said, would you see if you can talk to him? I still remember his name. His name was Bob Whitlow. It just so happened, you know, God's, God, is, God is in everything. And I'd got a Sword of the Lord paper that week with a sermon in it, with an illustration in it. And I'd read it that week. And when I got out there, I walked up and he was a groaning. And I said, I said, Bob, my name's Rick Prophet. I'm a preacher, and they've sent for me to come over here and talk to you. And I said, what's the problem? He said, preacher, he said, I've taught Sunday school in the largest church in this city for I forgot how many years, 20 years, 25 years. But he said, I'm dying lost, and I'm going to hell. And this is what I'd read that day, that week. I said, Bob, I want to ask you a question. I said, Bob, if you was out on the sea and the wind was blowing and it got dark and the lightning was flashing and the thunder was rolling and I said, you were out there in the sea and you done went down one time and come up. I said, you went down another time and come up. And I said, Bob, you were going down for the last time. And I said, I passed by and I said, hey, Bob. And I said, I told you a life preserver. I said, what would you do? He said, well, preacher, I'd grab a hold of it. And I said, what would it do? He said, well, it'd hold me up and keep me from drowning. I said, Bob, you're going down for the last time. And I said, I'm throwing you Jesus. 
And I said, if you'll grab a hold of him, I said, he'll hold you up. He'll see you through to the other side. We prayed and Bob got saved. Bob got saved. I visited him a couple days. I'd go in and he'd be sitting up in the bed and I'd come in the door and he'd say, still all right, preacher. (laughs) Still all right. About the fourth day, I went in to see him, and I come by the nurse's station. I went down there, and the room was empty. And I went back, and I said, is Bob down for x-ray, or is he having a procedure? And the nurse said, I'm sorry to tell you this, preacher, but Bob passed away last night. And all I could see was, he was saying, it's still okay. <laughs> it's still okay. <laughs> still okay. I wish I could say there were thousands. But there's Roy and there's Bob. And the Bible said there's rejoicing in the angels in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that got saved. If you'll let me, I'll tell you one more. I know it's a Saturday night. And Zach, our grandson, was real small then. And Zach had had failed and hit the corner of a coffee table and cut his head and they took him out to the ER. I guess your family's like our family in the good old days. When somebody went to the hospital, we all went to the hospital. We went out there and we sitting in the waiting room and I was there, my wife was there, her mother was there. Now my wife's mother was a real witness. There's a lot of people in this church that are here because of her. I mean, if she got around you, she's going to invite you to church. She's going to invite you to church. We were sitting there, and there was a couple sitting there across from us in the waiting room, and she struck up a conversation. And it wasn't but a minute, she said, are you saved? That man said, no, ma'am. He said, I'm not even from around here. He said, I'm from Indiana. And he said that we had a car wreck this evening, and when my, my wife's in there, and they're checking her out, but we had a car wreck, and he said, we don't even live around here, but he said, no, ma'am, I'm not saved. And he said, really, I'm not interested in it. But he said, my brother is. She said, who's your brother? And he said, well, said my brother said, Bobby Dunsmore said he lives in Muncie, Indiana. He's dying with lung cancer. And my mother-in-law immediately said, that's my son-in-law, he's a preacher. He's going to preach revival up there next week. And I said, if you give me his address, sir, I'd be glad to try to go see him. He wrote the address down. He gave it to me. I don't know what I've done with it. I racked my brain. I looked through my shirt pocket, my suit pockets, and and check cleaners, and it was driving me crazy. I thought, here's a lost man dying with cancer that wants somebody to tell him how to be saved. And I called the man I was going to preach a revival for. And I said, Brother Miller, I said, there's a man up there, his name's Bobby Dunsmore. I don't, may have not told him the name, but I said, there's a man up there. And I said, he lives in a Bedford stone house. That's not a whole lot of help around Muncie because every house is Bedford Stone. And I said, I, I know this. I know there's a junkyard around it. You know any place like that? And he said, i got a couple places in mind. I said, well, don't wait on me. This man's dying. You go see him. You go see him. I got up there on that Friday and pulled in and, and, and the Brother Miller come out and the first thing I asked him, did you see that guy? He said, I'm sorry, Brother Rick. He said, I hadn't even looked yet. He said, I've been busy. It's been a bad week, funerals and this, that, and the other. I just hadn't got around to it. I said, we've got to find that guy. I said, I said, do you know any place that looks like what I described? He said, I know one place. I said, we've got to go there. We drove out in the country and found this Bedford Stone house, junkyard behind it. I walked up to the door. Jerry stayed in the car and I got walked up to the door and I knocked on the door. Nobody came. Waited about five minutes and went back and knocked on the door again. Nobody came. Jerry said, ain't nobody home. I said, let me try it one more time. I went up there and knocked on the door and there was a little glass window up at the top of the door. 
And I looked through there. <laughs> and I saw an old man dragging an oxygen tank trying to get to the door. I said, it's him, Jerry. This is it. I don't know what the population of Muncie, Indiana is. Probably, probably 400,000. God, let me find the house. That old man opened the door. He was gasping from breath just from getting over there with a big oxygen tank. We got him over there and he sat down. I said, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Bobby, I said, I met your brother in the emergency room down in Glasgow. He told me you were dying with lung cancer and you wanted to get saved. And about that time, Jerry come in. He wouldn't. He come in behind me. About that time, Jerry come in and he saw him and he said, Bobby? And he said, Jerry? I said, you two know each other? He said, we went to school together. We live neighbors together. <laughs> God, let me lead old Bobby Dunsmore to the Lord. God showed me something that night I ain't never forgot. And you better get this. If you don't get nothing else I say, that's how bad God wants people to get saved, is that God will let you go to a population of 500 people and find the one house where that lost person is that wants to be saved. Amen. Bobby Dunsmore got saved. Within three weeks, they were burying him. I wish they could say there was hundreds. But God let me help pull old Bobby Dunsmore out. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. What have you done with the doctrine of hell? I believe what this Bible says about it. Yeah. I preach sermons about it and I'm going to keep on preaching sermons yeah. about it. And I'm still trying to have compassion, make a difference, and pull some out of the fire. What about you? Father, oh Lord, I thank you tonight. I didn't want to preach another sermon about hell without any tears. Oh God, I thank you tonight for a mama that took me where I could hear preaching and hear the truth. And I thank God for His Holy Spirit that gave me the faith to 